Happy Monday, Saints fans. It is a happy Monday indeed, and it is our ninth happy Monday in a row because the Saints are on a tear. They defeated the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Big win, 21-16 over the Falcons. The eighth sweep of the Falcons in the Sean Payton era. And of course, the Saints secure a playoff spot, the first NFL team to do so. So you know what time it is. Cue the music. We brought on the voice of the New Orleans Saints, Zach Streif, alongside my co-host John DeShazer, senior reporter for NewOrleansSaints.com, to talk a little Saints versus Falcons. First of all, Zach, uh, I want to talk about something that we haven't really had a chance to talk about, and that is the pettiness that goes into the Saints versus Falcons uh, rivalry that stems deep. We've seen social media, we've seen memes, we've seen tweets, we've seen all of it. What has been your favorite uh, meme, tweet, whatever that you've seen from the Saints versus Falcons rivalry? Well, it's hard to pick favorites. Um, I know, listen, I think the Saints social media team remains undefeated this season. I posted that yesterday. Um, I know Alex Restrepo and his group really just, I mean, it's crazy how much good stuff they come out with. And I think they particularly thrive on the Atlanta Falcons. I, I liked yesterday's updated scoreboard post. Um, the, the Falcons had, had posted earlier, you know, an hour till kickoff. And then the Saints reposted the same picture with the score adjusted and 28 minutes and three seconds remaining on the clock. So I do appreciate that we will not let that die ever. Um, I think we're fairly petty as a fan base. Um, I'm okay with that. I was petty all day yesterday. I was petty on social media. I was even petty on our broadcast. It doesn't bother me if somebody doesn't like it. I have no issues with them not liking it, but it's going to keep happening likely until Sean Payton leaves this organization because he absolutely owns the Falcons. And I think we all thrive um, knowing that every single year. And then maybe we might have to scale back our uh, hatred or in pettiness once that happens, because then we'll just have to recalibrate and see where, where things go. But JD, what right. about you? What was your favorite uh, meme or tweet or anything like that? Cause you know, you're the king of petty JD. I mean, Petty don't sleep. So, I mean, even when Coach Payton leaves, Petty don't, Petty don't sleep. So that's that's always going to continue. I, I will I'll, – I'll give the Falcons a little bit of credit. I got to do this. It, it pains me to say, but when they, you know, announced the Saints as, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the visitors, and they just had visitors on the scoreboard, I thought that was pretty cute. I, I thought that was, you know, for them, I thought that was pretty good. But, I mean, you know, picking a, a favorite Saints meme or, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, trying to – pick your favorite kid or something. I mean, there's so many good ones. It's just hard to, to think of just one. Uh, as Zach said, anytime you can work in the 28 to three, then that's always a good one. And again, that one will never die. And, and the Falcons can win 15 Super Bowls. That will never die in New Orleans, I know. So, you know, it, again, I, I, it's hard for me to pick one that I like the most. 
I think uh, I think my favorite, as you mentioned earlier, Zach Alex Restrepo and the social team doing doing work every game day. But it was when the Falcons came to the Mercedes Benz Superdome, and beforehand the Falcons tweeted out. Um, I think all of their pictures were of our players uh, in front of the S in the word Saint. So it was just Ain'ts the whole time, and then afterwards it was our players or their players making the T in Saints. So it was kind of like you know, I thought that was funny. It was uh, you know pettiness, petty never sleeps like jd said all right let's talk a little bit about the win obviously saints win 21 to 16 over the falcons as we said um zach in your opinion the the biggest news of the day was Taysom hill and his performance is he finally you know good enough to be recognized as worthy of being a quarterback in the nfl i think Taysom has proven that he's he's capable of that you know i I, listen he he's been more of a quarterback than i think anybody really expected made a lot of big throws yesterday. It was extremely accurate. At one point in that football game, we were seven of eight on third downs of eight or more yards. That's a crazy number. I mean, that's just really unusual. And, you know, we watch it over and over in that football game. He's making good decisions. He's delivering the ball accurately. You know, those are things that you, that you need to do to be a, a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And I think that was the big question mark that we all had with Taysom when he started, because it's not something that we had ever seen him even attempt to do. And so, you know, I think Taysom has exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Now, I don't think there's any point in the exercise of, is he the future or is he the next guy or, you know, right. He's, he's the starter until he's not this year. And then, you know, they're going to reevaluate all of those, you know, things later, you know, after the season's over, but, I think if you if you watch those football games that Taysom has played quarterback, and I kind of watched the Denver Broncos game out in general, just because of the realities right. of that game, um, you know, I don't think you can watch that and say, no, he's got no chance. I mean, he's had two starts. He's looked good in both of them. Now, are there warts? Yeah, there's warts. There's some bad decisions early in that football game, and the fumble issue has got to be addressed immediately because if you're going to be a guy that's going to hold the ball in every snap you can't be the guy that fumbles a lot so uh you know there are some warts but he's in his he's in his third start there's going to be warts right I think more than anything we've seen a guy that is more polished as a passer than a lot of people expected um and I'm really happy for Taysom because I I think there was a, a tremendous amount of doubters out there that he could throw the football at an NFL level JD do you have anything to add to that I mean that was pretty good I could almost, yeah, I could almost just say amen and be done with me. I, I thought the Falcons yesterday said, okay, can you beat us throwing it? And Taysom said, yeah, I, I can do that too. Um, he did end up with 80 yards rushing, yeah, but that was almost an aside because 40, half of it came on the, on the one run. I thought he was real poised as, as a passer, and that's something that you like to see. And, and you know, it, it goes back to, when you talk to fans and you and they, you know, bring up issues about, you know, whether or not Taysom should be starting or whether or not Jameis Winston be starting and, you know, questioning coaches' decisions and, and you know, say, look, these coaches see these guys a whole lot more than we do. And they definitely am a whole lot more than you do. So when they pick a guy, you know, they're not trying to lose. Their jobs are on the line. They, they're paid to win. So they're picking the guy that they think best gives them a chance to win. So when they go with Taysom Hill, that is what they feel is the best that gives them a chance to win. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, Coach Payton would never say it, uh, but the petty inside of him probably is saying, you know what, I told you guys so. I told you. <laughs> but as Zach said, he's got to hold on to the football. He, he's got to protect the football. 
uh, that is an absolute must. That is something I'm sure they'll be working on um, from here on out because, you know, you can't be a quarterback who turns over the football. Otherwise, you'll be back in the NFL for, for a long time. Yeah, and you know, again, Caroline, it's there, there is an experience component to this, right? And he, it's not that he's new to the NFL, but he's absolutely new to handling the football on every single snap. And, and when you get to the end of the game and you get into really situational football, he's making a few mistakes that he likely has to make to learn, I can't ever make that mistake again. You cannot spin out of a sack on the 10-yard line knowing that you're about to score even a field goal down there really closes that game up. You know, it's just the one thing that can't happen. And in time with experience, making some of those errors, you learn, man, I'm never going to do that again. And so, you know, as much as there is a truth to you can't do that, there's also the reality of young, you know, and I say young, I know he's not young in age, but he is young in experience as an NFL quarterback. And he's going to have to make some of those mistakes to learn, just like the guy who we, seeing Drew Brees go back and look at Drew Brees in his first three starts he made bad decisions you know it's just part of the process and so I think patience is the key that's the word and again we don't need to to name a future starter or the future franchise quarterback this year we need to acknowledge and appreciate the man is three and oh as a starter um, and the Saints are eight and oh in the last two years with a backup quarterback which is an astounding statistic yeah, it's insane. The, this team just knows how to win, and they simply just find a way to win week by week. Um, guys, when you talk about Michael Thomas, in, in my very humble opinion, it seems like throughout the season, Michael Thomas hasn't been his usual self. And I mean that to say that he usually displays such confidence when he's on the field. You know, he's getting in people's faces, doing the flex, everything like that. And we finally kind of saw that in yesterday's game against the Falcons. We saw that confidence kind of rise up again. Do you think Michael Thomas is finally feeling fully healthy, getting back to that rhythm, maybe at the perfect time for the Saints? Yeah, well, I think, listen, he's got to touch the football to get there, right? And so he's missed a lot of time this year. Um, you know, the first game of the season, he only caught three passes. And, mm -hmm. and quite honestly, that was, I think, a, a conscious decision the Bucks made to say, Mike's not going to beat us. Someone else is going to have to do something here. Right. Um, and then he misses a big stretch of time. And then he comes back and Taysom Hill's the quarterback. And, and, you know, I think, if anything, we've seen Taysom and Mike have a really good rapport. We saw it in the first Atlanta game at 104 yards, saw it yesterday, 105 yards. Yeah. And I think with that confidence and, and with that chemistry, you know, with, with Taysom, and then, you know, if Drew comes back, if Jameis ends up at some point, when he gets touches and he makes those contested throws, that's when Mike starts getting going. And, you know, we saw that yesterday, and it is very encouraging because, you know, he's one of your best offensive players. You're going to need him down the stretch. But I think, you know, you're seeing a guy who's starting to feel a little bit better each week. High ankle sprains are notoriously uh, tricky. They last. They linger. You never really feel great until you get a long stretch off. Um, and so I think, you know, with each one of these games and with each one of those contested catches, Mike's going to continue to get back to where he was. He's still an elite receiver in this league. Um, and, again, we're going to need him down the stretch. Uh, to be, you know, the Mike Thomas that we all know. Michael Thomas becoming the fastest player in NFL history to reach 500 receptions in his 69th uh, career game. JD, anything to add to what Zach just said? I mean, Taysom Hill has to feel an immense amount of confidence having a player like Michael Thomas out there, just knowing the caliber of talent that he has. 
Yeah, he's the, the ultimate security blanket. I, I am hearing that he is still dinged up. Um, that ankle is still bothering him, but you can see by his, his play in the last, you know, two of the last three games, his production anyway, uh, that he he's probably feeling better. Um, if, if the Falcons are going to play him that way, if any team's going to play him the way that Atlanta played him yesterday, uh, he's going to make an impact because he's going to find soft spots in zones. And if you're going to play a man-to-man, even with a, uh, even with a dinged-up ankle, I don't think anybody can keep him from catching the football. So, yeah, you like to see the production, especially when he's got an inexperienced quarterback out there. He was the same guy for for Teddy Bridgewater last year. Uh, He's just a reliable, reliable weapon who, you know, once you get into a rhythm with him and you know where he's going to be, then you know he's going to make the catches for you and you know he's going to provide the production for you. All right, so now we have to get into this defense because the Saints defense has been playing spectacular uh, the past few weeks. And obviously with no uh, Janoris Jenkins yesterday going into the game and then uh, and Patrick Robinson going out early, I mean, my hands went to my head and I was like, oh no, what are we going to do? And the Saints made the proper adjustments. Zach, what did you think of the adjustments that the Saints defense made yesterday when P-Rob went out? I thought it was outstanding. That's a really tough position to be in. You know, we... We talked all training camp about how deep the secondary was and how that would come into play at some point. You know, you lose Janoris Jenkins yesterday, who I think has been your most consistent cornerback this season. Uh, It's a big loss for them. With both of them, with Marshawn and Janoris, I I think you've got one of the top, if not the top corner tandem in the National Football League. Patrick Robinson, when he's come in this year to play, has been outstanding. He had a tremendous training camp. You've seen that translate over to the regular season. And so you feel fine without Janoris if you have P-Rob. But when P-Rob comes out, and he comes out early um, in that football game, suddenly all of that game plan changes. And so, you know, they put Marshawn over on Calvin Ridley, and they basically told him, hey, you know, go play hard because uh, <laughs> we're going to spend all the resources over here on Julio Jones. And those two guys are both outstanding receivers. They have true, two true number one receivers on that roster. Um, and listen, was the performance perfect? No, but it was gritty. Um, and he hung in there and he made some plays late. He knocked the ball out um, on, a, on a would-be touchdown to Calvin Ridley late in that football game. Uh, I thought he really battled. And he's going to get plenty of criticism because people don't want to see guys make catches on people. But they put him in a really tough situation because they know um, not only physically but mentally Marshawn can handle it. And it allowed them to roll coverage to the other side. And, you know, until the end of that football game, which I would make the argument never should have occurred anyways, you know, it was really kind of spurred by your offensive mistakes. Um, you know, until late in that football game, they were dominant again. Matt Ryan completed around 50% of his passes. You know, they, they had more first downs in their final two drives than they did in their every drive up to then. I think it was nine possessions up to then. Um, and so, you know, the defense was, was fantastic yesterday. They continue to make Matt Ryan hold on to the football. I thought they did a better job uh, protecting him yesterday. You could see them really battle. Um, but you know, the, the problems were the same for that offense. And that's impressive to do that to a divisional team that gets to see you twice a year, that gets to see how you want to game plan them. I think at the end of the day, defensively, uh, the saints just, just beat up on the Atlanta Falcons. You know, this game ended in a five point game, uh, with them having the ball, you know, in saints possession. And so it's a really, it looks really close at the end and it was close at the end, but defensively, I thought the saints dominated that football game yesterday. JD, I'm going to ask you. Yeah, it would have been one of those games where 
good. It, it would have been one of those games where if the Falcons won, it, it, it basically would have been a stolen victory. It, it, it would have been foul money for them because they really, um, in a lot of ways, I would say, didn't necessarily earn that because the Saints wouldn't let them earn it. Uh, and, and you mentioned, man, P.J. Williams, yeah, dude's playing safety a whole lot this year. And you ask him to go in midstream and say, okay, um, remember those corner skills you have? Go back, go out there and, and use them. And so now, you know, it, it was a difficult position. And yet, you know, again, he made some good plays. And, and as Zach said, you know, people, you know, people will point out the catches that are made. Man, it's the NFL. And Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are kind of good. So, you know, they're going to make catches on a lot of folks. And, you know, what you want to do is what the Saints were able to do. Keep them dudes out of the end zone. Um, make them chip down the field, um, held them well in check for two and a half, three quarters until you get that momentum swing fumble. But, you know, I thought they did a fantastic job in the secondary as they did again uh, another week. Uh, but we saw it again a couple of weeks. We saw it a couple of weeks ago, of, of course, when they got the eight sacks but and, and came close to having that probably yesterday. And they just missed out on a couple because they make him hold the ball. It's amazing the way these guys have been able to cover uh, for the last month and a half, two months or so. Uh, in that secondary, we thought from training camp they were going to be a really, really good secondary. And then the first two, three games come, you're like, whoo, what is that? And now all of a sudden, uh, they are the they are the secondary that we saw in training camp. Caroline, I think it's important, too. Um, you know, we talk about the coverage of secondary. All of that is powered by the fact, and you want to talk about some petty, disrespectful stuff. The Saints played them in cover two almost all day. They sat in a box and said, you know what? Run the football at these six guys. We're going to play coverage, and we're going to say you're not going to be able to pull off this running game. And the Falcons finished with 70 yards on the ground. So you could say all you want. Listen, there was holes at the end a little bit. The Saints are playing complete coverage. I think it is it is hard to explain how dominating it is to have a front that can play the running game by itself to allow that coverage to happen the entire game. Listen, they sat in cover two a lot in that football game. You should run the ball all over the field in the NFL <laughs> against a cover two. They did it for the second game in a row and absolutely slapped them in the mouth. They were unable to ever really get any footing on the ground. All of it came late when at the end of the day, the Saints were like, great, keep ticking that clock, keep keeping it running. We're going to run this thing out on you. And that's exactly what they did. Zach, this is kind of a, a personal interest question that I have. We've talked about C.J. Garner-Johnson really all year and how much of a pest he is and how, you know, annoying he can be on the field. And it's great because he's on your team. And so he's annoying everyone else and not you. Um, but when you talk about C.J. Garner-Johnson, you've been in a position of leadership on teams. Is there a point that you go to him and be like, hey, keep doing you, you're doing great, but these timely situations of, you know, penalties and going halfway down the field and potentially costing the team, do you kind of have to be smart with your pettiness and smart with being a pest? Yeah, you're way past that point with CJ. You, you should have been saying that six weeks ago. Listen, he finally he finally got caught, right? He's, he's been the guy that has done, I don't know, I don't know what you call it. I mean, if it's me and he's not on my team, I say, well, he's cheap, right? It's always something extra. It's always something at the end. I'm all listen, I'm all for that, right? CJ, listen, that's how he that's how he motivates himself. Yep. Right? If you want CJ to play good, he's got to feel like someone is 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 doing something wrong to him and he's got to talk and chat. You know, that's that's who he is. And so it's fine to use that. It's fine. The pr problem is when you build that reputation that he's built and you saw that yesterday, yeah. right? 
he gets flagged, you know, essentially for doing something extra after a play and grabbing an ankle. That never gets called in the National Football League. He gets up off the ground, and Russell Gage throws a punch and hits him in the face, and they throw that flag on, on Chauncey. And that should be a very telling moment for CJ because that is, that is all the evidence you need to know. Officials are walking into these games saying 22 on the Saints' defense is a problem, and we're not going to let him draw penalties by being that type of a player all day long. We're going to catch him. We're not going to we're not going to call it on the second guy. They say all the time the second guy is always the one that gets caught. No, not once you build that reputation. If there's two guys in that fight, they know it's not an assumption. It's not. They know who started it, and and so he gets that flag yesterday. When you start playing good football teams. When you get into the playoffs, you've got two, you, you know, you've, you've got the Eagles uh, who are in disarray right now. Then you got the Chiefs, you got the Vikings, two playoff teams, the, the defending Super Bowl champs. You do dumb stuff like that against good teams, you will lose the game. And so there is a line. You can talk, you can talk all you want. This extra stuff that can get you in trouble has got to stop. 100% of it has to stop. Talk all you want. You can't get a penalty for talking. Right. But all this extra stuff it, it, at some point here, it's got to stop. And, um, you know, listen, it, it's it, it caught him yesterday. They got through it against good football teams. It, you might not get through it. You guys are both on your phone, so I don't think I don't think, Zach, you can see J.D., but J.D. was smiling and had a smirk on his face the entire time you were answering that question. I think he agreed with everything you said, Zach. Well, I mean, but, but now I agree with every bit of it. And yet, you know, I have a love for CJ. I, I, I just love the dude because, you know, he's an adjutant and, and you know, he's just one of those dudes who he does crawl under your skin. Now, do you want him to, and he's got, as Zach said, he's got to cut that out. I mean, because at some point he's going to get kicked out of the game. And that really is when it becomes a big penalty for you when he gets kicked out of the game. Uh, but he's one of those guys who just, he's right at the edge. He's right at the edge. And he's, he's got to kind of have that but he's got to learn how to channel it. And as Zach says, you know, wolf all you want to talk, 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 do all of that you want to. But if you do anything other than that, now it's on you and the fish and the officials aren't going to have it. But I, I just love to see him out there. I, I said last year, I said, okay, you know, he's going to do some dumb stuff and he, you know, he'll, he'll learn from it. And, and you know, he, he's still doing some dumb stuff and he, you know, now he's getting it, you know, it's catching up to him, you know, with that kind of thing so hopefully he'll he'll learn how to snatch that part of his game and set it aside and toss it away and I just don't know though the way he plays I don't know if he's he can get that out of his system yet just yet I hope so because you don't want to see him do something that's really going to be penal again and get himself kicked out of the game because if he goes out of the game that's a huge loss for the Saints I don't know that they have another guy who does what he does. So he, he's critical to what they do defensively. But, man, I, I, I love that chip he plays with. I, I just love it. You like the adjutant yeah. because you are the adjutant, J.D. Let's just make that clear. <laughs> well, and, and, I, and I got no problem with that. I mean, I got no problem with being an adjutant. I got no problem with being petty. And he's that kind of dude. So, you know, we might be kindred spirits. If I was like – if I had, like, any athleticism, I would be him. <laughs> yeah, and, J.D., you're right. He – Listen, it, it, you can see the defense likes it, right? Those guys respond. Oh, yeah. They get they get into the scuffles too, and they play well when they do that stuff, and all that. And actually, you can see 
you talk about, is he ever going to get to the point where his judgment's good enough to not get in that situation? You actually saw him, when that all happened, walk way away from that pile, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So he's thinking about it. You can see yeah. you can yeah. see the wheels turning of, okay, that might have <laughs> been too far. I'm going to get away <laughs> from this situation quickly here. So I think he'll get there, right? And you're right. Man, he's, he's always going to be a guy that toes the line. He's going to get right to the edge of it. It just takes some really tight judgment on the player's part to do that. But listen, we like our defense chippy. Every, every good defense is chippy, right? Yeah. I mean, you want those guys constantly doing that stuff. It's just, you know, again, you've got a young player that's doing it. He's playing well. There's a lot of confidence there. You just got to continue to help him understand that's too far. I got to pull it back from there. And you saw Aaron Glenn, too, grab him right after that and talk to yeah. him. And I'm sure that's what Aaron's saying. Listen, I'm not going to tell you to stop talking, but you got to have good judgment that you're going to toe that line, but you never are going to step over it. They'll get there. JD, I want to start with you on this next question. Are we ready or should we start talking about this Saints team playing in February or is there too much football to be played still? Way too much. Way too much, I believe. Now, are they good enough? Yeah, I think the Saints are a really well-rounded team because now you see a team, you know, as Zach mentioned earlier, you're eight and no without Drew Brees the last couple of seasons. A lot of that has to do with how good this team is defensively and how they're now able to run the football. They, they can run the football and basically just eat, just beat you up and eat up all the clock and put you in a situation where you get a little bit desperate because, you know, your possessions go down as an opponent. So, you know, they've got a lot of components that make you a winning football team, and especially in, in playoff situations. Because, again, I think they can play either way. I, you know, I don't know necessarily if they want to get in the shootouts. If you got Drew Brees back there, I think you feel comfortable in those kinds of situations. But the way they're playing out, they can defend. And that's, that's the biggest thing, being able to get stops, get off the field, uh, get in the red zone defensively and force field goals. That stuff really adds up for you when you're talking about a team whether or not they're good enough to be in February but still there's so much left to happen you know you you hate to I hate to say this but you can always have a key injury or you know they can just have one of those you know just slumps where they're getting a bunch of DPIs or they're getting you know gashed for you know on on some communication issues so I I don't want to throw any kind of crowns on them yet but but they've got a lot of components I believe. Zach anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, th- I agree completely with, with J.D. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're more than talented enough, but, man, there's a lot. <laughs> if anybody knows, a lot can happen over the course <laughs> of the next uh, couple of months. It's the Saints. And, you know, you, you got a lot of big football games to play in uh, before you get there. But, listen, I, you talk about what works well at the ends of, of football seasons. You know, what, what travels well in the playoff, what has traditionally won football games late in, in, the, in the playoffs. Well, uh, home field advantage has won in the playoffs. Defense wins in the playoffs. And running the football wins in the playoffs. So you've got the number one defense in the National Football League currently holding the number one seed, averaging over 200 yards a game on the ground over the last three weeks. It's hard to find a lot more ingredients um, to become that football team. You just got to keep it going through the last few weeks of the season. 
All right, gentlemen, well, we appreciate your time and your insight and analysis over on Sunday's game against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they advanced to 10 and two on the season. It's their ninth win in the row in a row. And of course uh, they secure a playoff spot. First team to do so in the NFL. Zach Sharif, John DeShazer, thanks so much. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, Thank Always great insight from Zach Shreef. All of our Saints legends always bring such terrific insight into the New Orleans Saints. Uh, always great to have Zach on. All right, that will do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Of course, we'll have another edition on Wednesday as the Saints prepare to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And who's going to be at quarterback? We have no idea. But we will dive more into it later this week on Wednesday and Friday. So don't forget to tune in. All right, for Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Zach Shreve, thanks so much for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seattle.